92nd Street Y online media is made possible by the generous support of listeners like you. This program features the stars of Freeform's The Bold Type in conversation with Cosmopolitan's former editor-in-chief, Joanna Coles. It was recorded on January 22nd, 2020, in front of a live audience at New York's 92nd oh, Street Y. This is so much fun. Thank you all for coming. So nice to see everybody here. And this is going to be so difficult to have this conversation because we know what happens and we can't give too much away. So I can't say, for example, that Melora gets... Um, I'm not going to say that. So... Uh, what I love about this show is that it's really about female friends. And the weird thing is they all hate each other. Um, that's not true. Is she kidding or uh, not? <laughs> you'll know by the end of this evening. And also, save up your questions, because we're going to make sure that we leave time to, to have questions from everybody. Or well, not everybody, but some of you. Um, uh, yeah, you understand what I'm saying. So, um, Katie... When you started on this show, did you have any idea what, in fact, was in front of you? Absolutely not. I mean, I, I had read the pilot, and I knew that I loved the stories, and when I discussed it with people from Freeform, they kind of said that it was like Sex in the City meets Devil Wears Prada, two things that I really loved. Um, so I was excited about the opportunity, and when I was told I was going to meet you, and it was about Cosmo... All of those things were wildly exciting to me, but little did I know, like, we would be telling really important stories as well. And one of the stories we're telling is about you living with the BRCA gene. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, that was, that was kind of um, hit home for me in a, in a weird way. Uh, my husband's mother passed away from breast cancer, so um, I knew from his stories and, and kind of what he went through. And um, he's never been tested for BRCA, but um, other women in his family, his cousins, have the BRCA gene, um, two of which have been diagnosed with breast cancer, but have since, because they had the information, they were able to catch it early and do something about it, and they're fine now, which is wonderful. But it's definitely a, a crazy thing to know that I'm telling such a, a real story and that's pressure and something that I really want to do well. And so it's really nice to have writers that want to do that as well and want to tell that in the most, most authentic way. So it's nice because I get to kind of lean on my husband a little bit for his experience and, and to kind of get that from him. Um, has been really helpful so that I can make sure that I'm telling the story with as much respect and authenticity as I can. Okay, so Aisha, talk a little bit about going into season four and the friendship that you've developed with these guys. Because one of the things that's so exciting, I think, about watching the show is the fun of this female friendship. And I think you can sense in the audience there are friends who've come together and there's just nothing like that female friendship in your 20s when you're just learning about everything for the first time? Yeah, I mean, I, uh, I don't really have much of my life together, but I can say that I'm, <laughs> I, I'm doing pretty well with my, my one long-term relationship <laughs> that I've ever been in. Also, this all happened so fast, and I was in the middle of eating trail mix, and also, I just have to fix my pants. Um, okay, there we go. I'm putting She's a real mix. girl. <laughs> I'm putting it down, even though I don't want to. Um, uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what I would have uh, done if I didn't have the girls to, you know, get through uh, the really long days that we have on set and really long press days that we have, you know, when one of us is kind of like running low on the blood sugar front, the other one <laughs> takes the reins and answers the question for us. So, you know, they're gems. And then we have a wonderful mentor and leader in Melora too. So very blessed. What's that, what's that track game where you pass the baton? Oh, relay. Relay. <laughs> that, that, that game. game. <laughs> that track game relay. It's like that. We're it passing like that relay. baton. Yeah. I don't think Forward, you throw it back. in track, though. <laughs> no, but sometimes you're... And then sometimes you're there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. us. And that, that's why like, you're an actor and you're not, you're not in the Olympic team. <laughs> 
you're in the free form Olympics, but you're not, or you're in the Hulu Olympics. She's too. training for it. She's training but for the I Olympics. But I think she just did that, that exhibition, that example with more style than most of the Olympic athletes. Honestly, thank you. <laughs> it did. did feel like my arm was pretty straight. <laughs> so, so one of the reasons I love this show, and it feels so groundbreaking to me, is it's about female friendship, but it's also about female colleagues in the workplace. And when we were thinking about it right at the beginning, we just felt there weren't any shows that really talked about work for women and showed women being capable on television and having good relationships as opposed to trying to tear each other down. So, Melora, you're representing a very interesting character. Um, <laughs> but... Uh, but can you describe what it's like being playing a boss on television? Because you know you have extra responsibility. Because it's easy to fall for the cliche of the devil wears Prada. But actually, I don't think that's most women's experience. No, I, I think that's very true. And, you know, all you have to do is look at these four women, five women sitting, one, two, three, four, five. <laughs> sitting Man. in a long day. There's been alcohol. <laughs> Yes, and several of our executives are also here. And, and really, um, you know, women of power, women who are, who are busy doing what we all do are balancing and balancing the very best way they can, sometimes gracefully, sometimes messing up, sometimes, you know, tripping up. But, um, but it was very important to me actually coming off of Transparent that I, I saw the good that Transparent was doing in the world and I felt really strongly that the next thing I wanted to do, I wanted to do something that was going to, do something positive in the world. And when this came my way, I, I was very taken by how she was, um, and actually very clear, and, and really talked to um, the execs and you and Sarah about how, how much I wanted her to be a multidimensional character, more like the women that I know where they are holding up a great career. They do have a marriage or a relationship. Um, they have children. And, and, they're, and they're trying to do all those things as well as they can. And I, and I think it's so, so important that we do see women uh, who, are, who are mentors, who are leaders, who are bosses, and they're not cutting down their young employees at, at the knees. They're not, you know, they're not cutting them off at the knees and, and deceitful and, and manipulative because that's not real. That's not really what, what women are like with other women, um, more so now than ever. And I, I just felt like it was so important that we saw that. Yes, Jacqueline is challenging. Yes, she is sometimes uh, intense and sometimes she pushes hard and sometimes she puts down a, a real strong boundary. But I don't think she's ever unfair, and I don't think she's ever um, unreasonable or not or thoughtless or not compassionate. And um, and I think it's so important because I get young women that come up to me all the time and say, "I love your character so much because I want to be a boss like you, or I want a boss like you." And I mean, it's just like um, it's just like un, you know, disenfranchised people if they don't when they don't see themselves. And I really learned this on Transparent. Before trans people were seeing themselves on television, they didn't feel like they were represented or they could go towards the image of who they felt they were. And, and I think that's also true for women, women of power, women in the workplace. You need to have an example of someone that you can look at and go, oh, yeah, I want that. Or I want someone to be leading me like that. And that way, when someone's not leading you like that, you can go, eh-eh you know what, that's not right. That feels wrong, it looks wrong, and it's not what we were doing, seeing on the bold type. <laughs> so, I'm not gonna have any of that. Excuse me, do you have Hulu? <laughs> so, to that point, one of the things I absolutely love also is the fact that Megan, as Sutton, is spending so long as an assistant, which is actually what happens so often in the workforce. Yes. Right, that you spend hours... <laughs> No, I really spend, mean that. Right, you spend years. You can spend years as an assistant, but so often on television, suddenly young people have got an amazing job and they're twenty-three. And I love the fact that you're constantly trying to get out of your assistant role and you're constantly slammed back into it. And we see a bit more of that in the new season coming up. Yes, but I, I will say, like that actually didn't totally land on me until now. Like I, even as an actor, was sort of frustrated that I was like, you know still in this assistant position and trying so hard. But I've had so many people come up to me and say, wow, that feels so good to see because it feels so true. 
And now that we're seeing Sutton sort of like get really specific, you know, she tried uh, designing and said that's not for me and she's, you know, back to styling. And I think when we finally do see that pay off for her, it feels so good because we've watched her kind of work her ass off for four seasons. So it's, it's kind of a great setup that well, really didn't dawn on me until... We had a joke on and that's set. That's why I'm not a writer or an athlete. <laughs> <laughs> we had a joke on set where we were always like, uh, oh, uh, are you sewing again? The sewing machine. There's so much Honestly, sewing. My favorite character on the bowl type is, is that the sewing machine. machine. And guess what? I... She's back in season four, baby. <laughs> yes, bitch. Um, I, I just want to say, like, I think it's really cool to see actually all of the characters uh, and their journey and their trajectory towards like becoming who they are is not just like, and you step up and then the next step is here and then the next right. step is here. You can fail upwards too. And, and you can try something and not like it. And you know, like Sutton exploring design and then being like, actually it's not for me is a really cool, empowering thing to see. She wasn't very good at she it. Wasn't. <laughs> well, I, I think too, there's the um, very first scene in the first season where there are the three of you and you say we've been toiling away in the assistant trenches and you go on oh, to yeah, be a writer. Mm -hmm. And then, in fact, you're, you feel left behind. And I think especially in your 20s and your 30s, um, you can often have a group of friends and one of them gets promoted first and then the people left behind or they, one of you gets engaged. So at least you get that. Um, but, but that sense of, oh, someone's leading the pack and everybody else has, has got to catch up. Does it feel like that when you're on the show? Between the between us? Well, not between the three of you, but in terms of oh, uh, thinking about the characters. I mean, I think that that's something that I kind of... Uh, even though we've played things where, like, you know, Kat and Jane are doing something and Sutton kind of felt left behind, what I loved about it was there was no resentment that came from that. Like, we were still supporting one another and we still wanted each other to succeed like even though Sutton felt left behind she wasn't like wishing for Jane or Kat to fail you know she was happy for their success because I think that that we know of <laughs> that we no, know I'm of. Kidding. of course not but I but think I, it was really frustrating for her and I also yeah. think that that's like a really uh, relevant theme for a lot of people who are in that phase of their life you know it's it's tough to be because it's so competitive in this world, especially New York and stuff, you know, it's like you do want everyone else to succeed, including yourself. And so you can want someone else to succeed and be happy for that success and also feel really upset that that might not be happening to you when you feel like you deserve it and you feel like you've put the work in and maybe it happened to the other person easier. And you're like, ah, why couldn't I have, you know? But so I, I think that it's cool that we've sort of uh, touched on that on the show because I, I do think that... It's something that a lot of people in this generation experience. It's, you know, com uh, this comparative culture. But there's layers to it. You can be really happy for someone and still be sad for yourself. Mm -hmm. Like, damn, I can't get a relationship, someone to engage to me. Is that what it is? <laughs> <laughs> engage to me. <laughs> so, uh, you'll... Uh, uh, I, uh, Should I go? It's, no. <laughs> Absolutely not. You're, you're going nowhere in that suit. And also you'll get arrested in that suit if you yeah. leave. On the, we're on the Upper East Side here. They're, they've not seen anything like that for a long time. Um, but I do want to talk to you about your fluidity in season four. I don't want to give anything away, yes. But you... you, um, you put, the uh, put the nuts down. Put the nuts down. Put the nuts down. Or don't. <laughs> We don't want to give that's too much she away, said. but... Sorry, that's a okay. <laughs> Everyone. We're getting very giddy here. I'm sorry. I apologize, but... Yeah. Um, yeah, I think it's really cool to play a character who's so brave when it comes to kind of discovering her sexuality and her, her process coming out, I think, is um, really beautiful and empowering. And it's certainly some people's experience, but I don't think it's everyone's experience. I think... Um, you know, the, the fact that she was able to just kind of tell her friends, like, oh, I kissed a girl, and they're like, cool. And, you know, Kat doesn't seem to have um, any second guessing, which I think is uh, a story that we don't tell often, you know? Especially, you know, in the media, we love to see, like, an angsty coming out story, and I loved that Kat's story was just one of complete love and acceptance. Um, 
And I think in season four, we're going to get to see her explore that more. And um, yeah, that's all I'm going to say. <laughs> so let's talk a little bit about sex, because why not? There's sure. a lot of sex in the show. You have sex with your own real husband in the show. I do, on and off the set. <laughs> Whoa! So what is Mom, it? stop! <laughs> ah. It's all right, you'll be okay, Katie. So what's it like having Gilded Jackson, your husband in real life, play your husband on the show? Fabulous. Um, you know, it, it's great. I, we've worked together before. Uh, we made a movie together a few years ago. Um, and, and I like working with him. I mean, we played husband and wife in that movie that we made that he wrote and I directed. Um, and he's a wonderful actor. And it was very funny because, you know, people are like, oh, did she get you the part? And I, I said, no, no, no that, this is actually the way it went. They said to me, so you're going to have a husband. He's English. You've been married 20 years. You have two boys. And he's a photojournalist. I said, oh, well, my husband is English. We've been married 20 years, and we have two girls. And he's a wonderful actor who could easily play a photojournalist. <laughs> Here's his reel. <laughs> and they looked at it and were like, well, that's obvious. And it is obvious. And it was like perfect casting. And um, so, uh, yeah, we, we love it. We love it. Are you not tempted just to burst into fits of giggles when you see each other? No. <laughs> Um, no, but there have been moments in this season that have been a little challenging. The, the, the relationship uh, has some... Has some uh, you get to see into their relationship, let's say, a little more deeply this season, which, which I like a lot. And, uh, and that's, been, that's been interesting. Sometimes when the characters are facing challenges, um, we're about to film something coming up here. And I was looking at the script and talking to him on the phone and saying, well, this is it's an interesting scene because it's sort of crossing, like, how do you, you know, like, because they are, they are us, but they're not us, right? And so there's those, those funny little subtle changes it's not obviously our storyline and but we are really husband and wife and we're playing husband and wife but they're different people than we are and so it's it's interesting sometimes to play the the to kind of that cross and sometimes Jacqueline would do it differently than Melora would do it if we were having that kind of conversation and that's that's an interesting and it's and it's trickier because he's my real husband in that regard whereas if he was just an actor I would just be like well this is how Jacqueline would do it but because he is my husband it's like it's more, it's Jack, it's more, it's Jack, it's, it's, you know. It must be so weird for your, for your girls. Um, I don't know, I've never asked them, I'm going to ask them, I don't know. Well, there's a lot coming up in the next season which we can't talk about, but I, they must, they're going to find it intriguing, I think. Yeah, I think that's true, that will be interesting for them. Sutton, you have exciting news in the next season, which we can't talk about, but we know that you did get engaged. <laughs> yes, I did. To the heavenly Richard Hunter. <laughs> yes, I did. <laughs> he, it's hard to... I mean, I can't even imagine what it must be like to kiss Sam Page, because he's oh. so good-looking. Mm. I will say... Snack. <laughs> Um, the fake proposal <laughs> was very real to me, and <laughs> no, Sam Page is like one of the best actors and people that I can imagine getting to do this show with, and I just love working with him so much. Um, but yeah, it was kind of, it was kind of, it was my first time doing a scene like that. Like, uh, you know, I've never been proposed to in real life, so it was like, <laughs> oh, is this how this? goes um i did say yes and we'll see what happens <laughs> can they make it i think they can guys i think relax it's gonna be fine <laughs> take it away Joanna. Relax. <laughs> all right let's move on to gun control so <laughs> love that pivot one of the other things that the show does is it it really zooms in on issues which i think are impactful for millennials and gen z well impactful for everybody but particularly um the school shootings and there's a very interesting episode a controversial episode about you having a shotgun that you keep um and Still makes me, I don't know it. why picturing you have a gun <laughs> makes me laugh. I don't have any guns. Yeah. 
But can we talk a little bit about that scene and what it was like actually creating it? Well, I tell you what, what would be fun also is to reel back for a it's moment. Not in, yeah, it's, it's in a previous season. Yeah, it's in season um, yeah, yeah. three. It's in season three, isn't it? Or is it season two? two? Season two. two. When, just for, for the audience here or for anyone not in television, explain how you get the scripts and just will you talk a little bit about doing a table read? So when you uncover what's actually happening to you? I mean, I'll be honest. When I got that script, I was actually wildly uncomfortable because I think that it's such um, a hot-button topic. So I do think that it was really important that we touched on it, but there was this fear inside me of, like, we have to do this perfectly or else it won't be received well. Um, but I do think that that's what I'm most proud of that our show does is that we don't paint things in, in black or white and we show that gray area because most of us live in that gray area. Um, and I think it's important to show that there are a lot of people in our country that have guns and not all of those people are using guns for bad things, but it's just more about what that means in general in the climate that we're in right now. So. I remember feeling very tense at the table read because I was like, I hope this goes well. And I think it did. Yeah, it did. And I think that's one of the things that the show that the show does so well is that we walk that line of really trying, I think, trying to give voice to not just one demographic in our culture. I mean, um, I think that, you know, um, we could we could really we could really sell ourselves short. Um, and I think it would be silly to do that. I think that it's you know, uh, very important to to represent a cross section of 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 the culture and, and America. You know, and uh, so it's uh, I think we do that well, and I think that was an episode that we did that well. I think um, the BRCA gene also, and I think also when Jacqueline revealed that she was you know that she was also had been raped um, in the beginning right at the beginning of or right right when the Me Too movement happened, we kind of were six months on the ahead edge of, of Harvey that. Weinstein. I know, I know crazy. Um, I think those are all really important topics to to stimulate comment conversation, and I think it I think it does do that, and I, I'm proud of that about our show. I, I don't think you can. Sorry, I don't mean to jump in, no, um, no. but I I don't think that you can ever um, fully cover and solve an issue in 45 minutes. It's, you can't. No. <laughs> uh, we're, we're, I just realized this. Um, so, but uh, yeah. You can't solve something in 45 minutes. You can't solve gun control in 45 minutes. But I hope what the show is able to do is to uh, open up a conversation and maybe invite the people watching to also have the same conversation uh, in the real world. Because the show really is this two-way mirror and that we're trying to reflect the colorful, beautiful rainbow of a real world that we all live in. And also, we're trying to kind of take from what we're getting too, in terms of um, you know the things that people are telling us on the streets. And uh, I think it's really cool that people are um, you know actually having these conversations at home. I know after the episode um, that we did on uh, on racial privilege and uh, and class privilege, I think it was in season two as well. I remember getting a, a, a tweet from some girl who was like, me and my roommate just paused the episode so we could talk about our privilege. And I think that that is really beautiful and that's when the show is at its best. And uh, did you, uh, how did you prepare to talk about, or how did you prepare um, for the episode where you're running for office and news of your abortion comes out? Uh, you know, I, I try to actually really enlist the help of a lot of my friends with any storyline. Uh, I'm usually like texting my friends from Montreal, like, hey, has this ever happened to you? Or have you ever had a conversation about this? Or have you ever experienced a friend in this particular way? Uh, so that's really helpful to me. And I'm blessed with a super awesome and diverse group of friends all over the world who I can call and ask for advice. So, um, and I also, I love like, I'm a bit of a nerd, so I love going on like, on on Twitter and on chat rooms and stuff, and just looking up, seeing what I can find on other people's experience. So, are you as socially media adept in real life as you are on the show? Um, I, I'm getting better. <laughs> <laughs> I definitely am not. No, I I try though. 
Emails are hard. (laughs) You seem very convincing. Emails are crazy. No, the issue isn't that she doesn't know how to work it. It's just that she's inconsistent. Like, if she's like the girl where if you look at her phone, she has like 1,700 unopened emails and like, you know, 360 unread text messages, like, that makes me literally panic. Yeah. It makes me panic, too. That's why I'm always panicked. <laughs> and yet... So, you're all up there shooting in Montreal. What are you doing when you're not actually shooting a scene? Drinking. <laughs> and eating, because the food in Montreal is so oh, fantastic. It's so good. So good. <laughs> um... So the wine is very good. You can't blame us for a drink. It's so cold. There's nothing else to do (laughs) to keep warm. But but you've bought an apartment and been busy doing an apartment. Have you guys bought an apartment? What what are you? Certainly not. No, no. (laughs) No, no. That's joke you've made since I've known you. Yeah. (laughs) So what? I'm just trying to feed my dog. Um, No. You you have a dog up there. You have a house. No. Well, okay, so I'm also trying to pay one mortgage. I don't need two. Um, I'm trying to be an adult as best I can. Um, I honestly am just watching a lot of Netflix and hanging out with these two. That's what I'm doing. Aisha just released an EP. Listening to that. She does music in her free time. And everybody should check it out. It's very good. This is my manager. I'm a big fan. Uh, I just want to say uh, every single lady up here, including Joanna, has a beautiful singing voice. You do? (laughs) We can break into a cappella. We're not going to do that. Be very glad we're not going to do that. So you'll have to be in our musical episode that we're trying to We are working. We're working them hard. Hey, people of Freeform. We're working them hard for the musical episode, season opener, season five. That's what we're working on. Aisha Aisha came up with a really good idea of how we could do it. It works. If it's not... Well, no, tell us immediately. I've said it so many times. We've said it in interviews. But wait. But wait, I just want to say what? that Wendy, I had a conversation with Wendy. They're doing it? No. Uh, they're not. <laughs> How dare you? Wendy Straker-Hauser. My heart Our fabulous uh, showrunner, and her head writer. Are and here. her parents are here. Right here. Yay! <laughs> Thank you She's so much wonderful. for coming. We love her so much. You're so sweet to be here. And we well, wish but she Malora, was here. We've already told this story a million times. Oh, so we're just trying then. to speak it into wait, the are universe. They actually, are they actually... No, tell it again. Just tell it again. First of all, I'm going to say you'll just get excited for when it does Second happen. Of all, They're not doing it your way. Do your just tell it your way. Well, listen to her way. I think there's okay. Listen to her way. We're getting off track. My point is, I won't do a musical episode unless we're on a mushroom trip. That's the only way I'll do it. It just makes well, sense. Jacqueline is our shaman. Jacqueline is our shaman. The head of here who was just looking really panic-stricken. No, they love it. Yeah. Well, but like, here's oh my the God, thing: we go mushrooms. to like, it's gonna be legal real soon. Don't stress. <laughs> By the time this airs. But I, but it, it makes it because there are a lot of shows that have done musical episodes, and you're like. This doesn't feel like it fits into this universe. But if we're tripping, we could make it as campy and crazy because it's a hallucination. And that sounds That's a good really point. fun. That's a good point. Exactly. Okay, let's do a let's do a show of hands. How many people here at I'm this lovely panel think that hallucinating would be a great way to do our musical episode on the bull type? <gasps> let's do that. Yeah. My friends okay. and yeah. the head of free four just raised your hand. Completely lost control Approved. of this conversation. Sorry, sorry, Joanna. Back to you. Science. It's spiraled very badly. Back to you. Could any of you actually work at a magazine? <laughs> well, have a real job? If no. you were, if you were our boss, I probably. I think Katie <laughs> might be able to swing it. Yeah, she could do it. I could work at a magazine. I think you might be able to swing okay, it. Okay, let me tell a real, she answers a, a lot of real, emails. real. I do answer a lot of. I can answer an email. I could probably be an assistant, but. When I got the role of Jane, I remember being like, I'm going to try to write an article. (laughs) (laughs) Where is it? Where is it? It doesn't doesn't exist just like anything else I've tried to write, like a script or anything, because I write one word and I go... That's stupid. (laughs) Delete, 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 delete. One, One of these days, I'm a good writer, like... 
if you want me to write you a letter, I will write you the most romantic letter you've ever read in your life. Right, it's true. She's you also a know- very talented Listen, songwriter. She does, she does. She writes me letters. I write her cards that she doesn't read. I know. Um, I didn't. I, it, you didn't weed my cord. This is an argument we've been having literally since this season one. Really intimate, show. you guys. I but think back. Let's just get back we on. I, we keep on getting track. on. But I do think I I do think in real talk that playing Jane has become very eye opening because I think that journalism is one of the hardest things that you can do and to do it right and especially in the climate where journalism is being constantly challenged I think that I commend any journalist or person who aspires to do that because I think that it's very difficult. How many journalists are here? Raise your hand high and proud. Come on. Okay. Nice. Nice. We we actually have the real inspiration for Jane Sloan, who's Jane Finn. Jane, will you just stand up for one second? Yes. I met her today and it made me so happy. Uh, Jane and I worked at the Daily Telegraph together in our very early 20s in London and we were pitched together. I think everybody thought that we were going to hate each other and we were told we had to be very competitive and we were competitive against the men and we became best friends. And then Jane became the inspiration for Jane Sloan. So I was thrilled to actually introduce you today. And Jane's actually just written a novel called The Words I Never Wrote, which is actually published today. So it's a perfect coincidence. Congratulations! So it, it see, when I see you up here and having seen you um, up on set uh, in Montreal too, it seems like you have such fun making this show. Do you actually have fun? Is that why? Because the energy feels so unusual when you see it on, on television. And yet we know from Sex and the City that actually Sarah Jessica Parker and Kim Cattrall didn't actually like each other yeah. very much. And in fact, they talk openly about how they... Well, Kim talks openly about how she didn't... <laughs> Um, like it. I mean, but, um, but yeah. you guys seem to be like actually love each other. I mean, yeah, we do. Yeah, I think that that's a real blessing because you never know. Like when you work on something, I feel like people say a lot. Like it won't always be this way. You might not always love people that you work with, and so the fact that we are blessed to work with people that we have fun with and going to work every day is exciting and like even though I have seen these people for like nine months out of every year for the past three years, I still wake up in the morning and I'm excited to go to work to see them and drink coffee together and I come home at night and she's sleeping in my bed. (laughs) We're close. I like... No, but I I really... I think that um, the three of us are... We bring very different things to the table and I think we found some sort of magic between the three of us with our, our different strengths and weaknesses and how we sort of balance each other out because um, I think it would be so easy to get to a place where you just, you can't, like, you don't have fun working with someone, especially because we work like 14 hours a day, five days a week most of the time. Um, and it's not without its difficulties. I think we would all we agree. bicker like sisters. Yeah. <laughs> I literally said, like, you heard it earlier in there. I was like, oh, I'm the worst version of myself today. And Megan immediately was like, no, you're not. (laughs) (laughs) We've seen that. like that. You're doing great. It's, it's a very interesting, um, the dynamic of being on a set is, is, is unique to most working situations because you are thrust together all with a one single goal. Maybe it is not unlike other jobs, but it, in this way, I think it is because so often you're doing intimate things with each other, your, your best friends or your mother and daughter or your um, boss and employee or, you know, um, or lovers or whatever. And I, and, I, and I feel like, you know, it, when Katie says it might not always be like this, really that's more like it is mostly not always like this. I mean, um, I didn't want to squash you, you, the you dream. Really, <laughs> you really do have to have to work with people that you are put together as a family with a common goal, and you have to have that kind of camaraderie on camera. But you may not necessarily have it off camera, and you don't you don't really want to spoil it for an audience, and so you really don't. But it is a personal challenge of being an actor because you do have to, you have to gel with people that you wouldn't necessarily choose in real life. You wouldn't necessarily say, oh, you know what, you look interesting, I'd like to be your friend. Which is why it was so, it's such a wonderful, happy surprise 
when you end up with three lovely young ladies who work hard and have a good attitude uh, most of the time and, <laughs> and, and, who, and who really are very talented and very kind because I would say that even with whatever might go on in, uh, on a daily basis here or there or whatever, every single one of these young ladies is, are fan, fantastically kind people. And I think that is a huge, huge, um, you know, and very, very talented, obviously, you all see that. And then to have a boss, uh, an executive producer like you, and somebody that I'm actually, you know, inspired by, and then to really create a really, like, this is going to be a long-term friendship forever. I'm going to know them forever. And, and, and it's, it's a really beautiful thing, you know, and I've done tons and tons of series where I, I really don't know what those actors are up to um, now, but I, I know for sure that I'll be in touch with, with well, and these I, people and in I, 10 years. I just, I just want to say, I, like everyone, watched The Office and many, many things that Melora Hardin has done. And I was so nervous the first time that I met Melora. And to people who say, don't meet your heroes, I say, meet Melora Hardin. Oh, <laughs> that is so, so sweet. sweet. <laughs> well, because sometimes you watch people that you're a fan of and you're, like, scared to meet them. I mean, you, you all know. You don't want that person to, like, not live up to where you've put them. And so to meet somebody that has had such a long career and then for them to not be... Not that long, Katie, not that long. <laughs> but then to, for them One to be lovely years. and kind and normal and be rooted in good values and have a family and all of those things, that's something to aspire to as young people. It's also like odd imitating life, too. Like I don't think the show would work if it, it weren't the same on and off set. And I actually do think that the magazine world is very similar to, you know, the fictional magazine world we're in is very similar to uh, the world that we're living in on set, you know, kind of well, living out of each other's pockets. Right. Well, and there's certainly the tension between print and digital is real and the tension of being an assistant and having to do the green juice run for the crazy fashion editor. All of that is so, so true to life which is another reason I love it. So we want to take some questions from people. I know there are lots of questions. So let's just throw up your hand if you want to want Don't ask Don't be one. scared. Be, yeah. a little, be a little scared, actually. Be a little scared. All right, let's go to you first, then we'll come to you in the purple sweater with strange design on, which we'll discuss in a minute. Um, <laughs> but do we have microphones or do you want to just stand up and ask we'll your question? Just walk around and I'll just I'll hold the microphone to you and you speak. Yes. yes. What a treat. Um, thank and will you, you thank give you. will you give us your name? Sure. I'm Christina. Hi, Christina. Um, hi guys. Thank you so much for I just speaking. Did that like it was like a meeting. Hi, Christina. <laughs> hi, Christina. Um, Are we doing a podcast? I love the intersectional topics that you guys cover, but obviously it's impossible to talk about everything that's going on in the world. So I would love to know how you choose the topics that you incorporate into the stories and what has been the hardest storyline to like play out in an episode or like a scene. Oh, see, now that's a question for Wendy Straker-Hauser, yeah. who's not here. Yeah, because we don't choose it. We like get it put in front of us and they're like, you're gonna do this or be naked or whatever. But they do, they have a writer's room where everybody's discussing moments of the day or, or topics of the week and bringing their real experience to the table. So what's fun about going to the writer's room is you sit there and the writers sort of haul up their inner secrets and their insecurities and everybody lays it there and then they, you know, you mold them in a sense to the characters and it's such fun being in the writer's room. I mean, they're incredibly smart and funny and clever and they bring their experiences. Oh, yeah. I do think that the show is no. kind of unique in that... Um, it is a very collaborative process, and the writers really do reach out to ask, like, what's your experience of this particular thing? Like, I know, I remember the um, the photo shoot we did of our scars and our birthmarks and all oh, yeah, of that yeah, kind yeah, of yeah. thing. That was something I mentioned in, like, season one of the show. I was like, I really want to show my birthmark and my stretch marks. Like, how can we make it happen? And then they made it happen, you know? Um, so it's definitely a collaborative process, but... Yeah, it's a, it's a lot of these writers kind of bringing their own personal experience. And then sometimes they write things and you're like, were you sitting in my room when I was talking about yes. this happening to me? What happened? <laughs> um, but I think that it's just because they're really well in tune with a universal experience. And what about, what's been the hardest storyline for each of you to play? 
think mine's coming up. <laughs> Mine yeah. hasn't happened yet, but it's about to. In season four. Mm-hmm. In season four. <laughs> and I can't tell you anything challenges. about it. <laughs> We had, we had another question, right? We did. Oh, okay, purple sweater. Can we, will you stand up so we can look at the design? It's actually a face. It's oh, yeah. It's, it's a very profile. Yeah. Very cool. Do you want to give I a shout it. out to the designer? Um, do you want me to? Why not? <laughs> Why, not? Why not? It's um, Paloma Wool. They make I do now. I'm Gyan. My question was Hi. that coming up to season four, um, just in terms of character development, how have your characters, <laughs> like, are there any little things that have been picked up from your characters from are your you personalities Australian? that have changed along the way? Hey. I, am, I am. I'm so excited. I'm Sorry. Hi. I was just home for three weeks and it's the longest time I've been home in like five years and I missed it so much. I didn't wear shoes or pants for like a week. <laughs> I was just going to the beach and throwing a towel and being like, I'm going to go to Woolies and like <laughs> walking there. Oh it's great. Sorry, I'm going to stop now. Sorry, what I got really excited. <laughs> so all Which the was? Were all the aspects of your real characters that have slipped into the characters that you're playing? Yeah, like because have they changed the characters in any way based off your personalities as the seasons have gone along? Uh, yeah, totally. I think that happened in season one when we started to like just find it. And then they started watching the dailies and the episodes as they were coming together. And I think that they kind of started playing to what our strengths were and what our tendencies are. And, and on top of that, they give us the freedom to sort of add what we like, you know, when we feel like, and, and to always say what feels really authentic instead of exactly what's written. And so I think it, the conjunction of those two things. It, it, we bring a lot of ourselves to the characters and I think you do see a lot of and I think that's what people respond to probably the most is that it feels really natural because it is, you know Also when you've been on a show for a long time you kind of, you know your character in a way that is just, there's an isness to it a kind of, and we've all been playing these people now for three years, um, almost four I have and one follow up question for you um, oh, yeah. <laughs> in terms of that, did you have to unlearn Jan to relearn Jacqueline? <laughs> Love that. No, no. <laughs> no, I mean, you know, Jan is a completely different character than Jacqueline. And, you know, I had, I had, you know, I had, I had put Jan to bed a long, long time before that. I mean, Wake I was coming off of Tammy <laughs> more than I was off of Jan. <laughs> so, so no, Jan and Jan and all my characters are, are their own people. So they all have their own, you know, their own hook for me. Yeah. Okay, more questions. Hello. Hello. I'm Maggie. Nice to meet Hi, you. Hi, Maggie. Are your favorite characters on the show the characters that you play or nope. other ones? No, my favorite Good character question. is Andrew. <laughs> yes. Andrew's fantastic. Same. Hands down. Yeah. Like when people ask me what the show's about, I'm like, well, it's about this assistant. Adam Capriolo is by all these crazy a people. gem that we should use more. <laughs> yeah. We should use more of his magic because he's so incredible. So smart. We it's do so see funny. more of him in season four. Yeah, yeah we definitely see more of him in season four. And I will say that the Andrew character and Sage, just in terms of like being an actor. I have been wildly um, inspired by them because originally they were characters that were one line and we might not have seen them again, but because they brought so much to these characters and they made them such individuals, we have just kept bringing them back and now they are these main staples of Scarlet. And it's incredible because I also love Stephanie and Adam yeah. so deeply. Yeah. Yeah, and Sage gets much more space in season four. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, and a couple of other people do, too, right? We get to see more of, a little bit more of Alex. Mm -hmm. Yes. Uh, we get to see more of uh, Melora's character. I was about to say Jan. Her private life. Yeah, <laughs> anyway. Her private life, which yeah, I'm and her invested with her in. Husband. I, love, I love what's coming up for, for Melora's character. I think it's going to be awesome. Yeah, the season really goes in directions you do not expect at all. I think. Yeah. It does. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I have so yeah. many feelings and things I want to say, but I won't. I know, it's frustrating. Did you have a question? Yes. Um, Stand. Your 
comes, here comes. Imagine if, imagine if I said that and they just went, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, stretching. No. <laughs> Uh, I'm Maddie, and one of the things I love so much about the show is that the characters aren't perfect, and their lives aren't perfect, and, you know, with the times where maybe your characters uh, were failing at something, or maybe were in the wrong in an argument you were in, is there anything that you guys have taken away from the low moments your characters have gone through throughout the show? I mean, I think that's one of the strengths of the show. I agree with you. And I, and I think it's certainly what drew me to the character. Um, and I know that for me, uh, having characters that are flawed are the most interesting characters to play because everyone is flawed. We're all human beings. And I want to play a human being. I don't, that's what I am, and it's what I want to play. I don't want to play a cardboard cutout of a, of a boss, and I'm not interested in that. And um, so absolutely, you, you learn because you're, you're, in, you're informing, you're informing whatever the failure or the trip up is that your character's having, you're informing that with your own personal information that your life experience has given you about your own trip ups and your own failures and your own, you know. Um, so that's, I think that's, that's one of the greatest things about being an actor, actually. I mean, I, I consider myself a lifelong student um, and I, I love what I learn from every character I play. I learn so much about myself through them and through, their, through finding their truth because even when I'm playing extremely horrible people. I have a little indie film that I just did where I play the meanest character I've ever played. Um, and it was, it was so interesting because even when you're playing someone that's horrific, which she is, um, you, have to, you have to go so deeply inside their truth to find the empathy for them because you have to understand what it is that's made them be so horrific. And in this case, I mean, what is it that built Jacqueline to become who she is and, and why is she a boss and how is it she deals the way she deals and how she's overcome her own, you know, trauma and, and all of those things. So I think that it's, uh, I think it's an extremely good point about the show and it's one of the best things. We are, we are a truthful show. We're also an aspirational show and I think we walk that balance so well where you get to have the glossy fun of like, it's a little shinier, you know, and, it, and as Asia was saying, it wraps up a little better in 45 minutes than it might in real life, but, but that's, what, that's what's fun about TV, right? And, um, but you also get to see that there isn't, there is, there's learning happening. Yeah, and I think that it's the lesson that failure is a human experience, and every single person is gonna fail over and over and over and over again, and what do you learn from your failure? How do you not view your failure as failure and just as an opportunity to try again? So the other thing is that at the, a wonderful, I have a wonderful life coach and he always says, we don't connect over our successes. Human beings do not connect over our successes. We connect through our failures. So that's, it's a really important thing that it's in, in, in the show. And I think all of you have failures at work. We know you get fired at the end of season three. Um, I can't say, well, you've been fired, right? You get, you, by uh, now in the show, you have. Yes, no, I got, I got away. fired from Insight. Right, remember, remember that time I went to Insight? That's right, that was last season. <laughs> remember so, that? And these are all experiences that people have in real life, which is why it's so fun to watch you unpack them on the show. And I, it's a very good question about it not being perfect and what do you learn from portraying people. And I think that's why viewers feel such a connection to it, that you're not perfect and they're trying to figure out what they see themselves mm -hmm. in you. Um, we've only had questions from this side of the room, which is odd, isn't it? Good, yeah. there's two over there, excellent. Left side. Hi. Hello. Just have to say I'm here with my work friends and oh, our yeah. boss is such a Jacqueline, ah. so we love you guys. Yay. <laughs> um, I have a much lighter question than anything love that's it. been asked. Um, the outfits on the show are insane. Amazing. I stalk them every episode and copy all your outfits. Um, Looking so do great. any of you. Thank you. Did you copy do mine where it looks like my head was going to fall off if I unbuttoned my shirt? Is that what it looks like right now? That's so no. No, 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 no. No, Megan! Well, I wasn't saying that about your turtleneck. I like famously had a really bad outfit in season two. It was like overalls oh. with this crazy shirt that like, like went a up Shakespeare turtleneck. No, I love your turtleneck. That's not I'll show you a picture of it later. You'll no, see. No, I remember the Wait, episode. Is that a is that a cutout in the neck? 
Yes. Girl, throw your hair back. Yes. Oh. Thanks. Wow. Wow. So it's definitely so not like Megan's. <laughs> um, so I was just wondering, on the opposite of that, do any of you have a favorite outfit that you like really tried to take home with you when the Honestly, episode yes, was over? Honestly, yes, that was it for me. <laughs> I wore that for some press photos and it got photoshopped into it became a black a plain black turtleneck because it was like so over the top. And I remember on the day of the shoot everyone was like, "So um so we're going to put Megan in that and then d is there do we have uh like a second uh, is there another option?" Um I have I have an outfit that is actually probably one of the more like less exciting outfits that I've ever worn on the bold type, but I was very excited to wear it because I brought a photo of Julia Roberts in the 90s and she's wearing this turtleneck and this oversized blazer and boyfriend shorts, I mean boy boyfriend jeans and sneakers. And there's an episode where I spend the day in Central Park and I was like, I really want like a 90s rom-com Meg Ryan, Julia Roberts moment. And they gave it to me. I know exactly which season you're talking uh, That scene yeah. you're talking about, it's so cool. Yeah. And I noticed that outfit. I didn't Thank know the you. background, but I was like, oh. And it's slightly channeling Celine this season too. Mm -hmm. So it's very on point, the fashion. Mm -hmm. Very glad you raised it. What's your favorite outfit? I, I have I have several, but I would say from last season, the yellow Calvin Klein dress that I wore was extraordinary, like sunshine, and I just it, I felt like sunshine in it. Does everyone know which dress I'm talking about? I do. Okay, thank you. Because um, I was upset that it was only in one scene. Yeah, there's also an incredible Dries Van Noten um, coat that I wore that was like peacocky like a uh, purpley peacock, you know, I wanted to steal that so badly. I begged to steal it. And they said they would get in trouble if I took it home. And I thought, couldn't we just buy one that's sort of like it from H&M and they'll never notice? And I really <laughs> wanted to just replace it. I just, yeah, I really needed to steal it. I wish I had, I still wish I had. Maybe I will one you day. You still can. Maybe There's I will. Time. Yeah, it's a beautiful I think coat. I know yours. Yeah, I feel like, well, we were doing the, the queer prom in season three, and um, I had sent our costume department a bunch of pictures of like Lena Waithe in her like rainbow stuff, and everyone was doing it at this particular time, and, and they got me this amazing dress that had like like metallic rainbow bow on the back, and it was absolutely obnoxious, and I loved it. <laughs> I love obnoxious things, as you can see. <laughs> But I think that we all agree that we have some really good outfits. But you know in what I think is four. a really good question regarding style? Because um, is like the personal, I, I find that my personal Melora Hardin style is so close to Sutton's style in, in on the show. And I'm always wanting to steal her wardrobe. Um, I just want your wardrobe, like your entire wardrobe. Do you want to steal it with me? Yeah. Under the cover of darkness? <laughs> yes, I do. <laughs> As like a bonding experience? Yeah, and we could just share it. No one would know we're sharing it. Okay. Because I think we could might, well, we might fit into some things the same. I'm totally. small. I could fit in small spaces. I could just, <laughs> Yeah, that's you know. true. You could crawl. And then, yeah, okay. I will I'll say another thing about the fashion. <laughs> be the lookout. Is I feel like the fittings that we do, I've learned more about how to dress myself. <laughs> and like the other day, I felt so proud of myself because I was doing a fitting yesterday, day before yesterday. yesterday. I was doing a fitting for season four and they like roll in these racks of like all of these clothes for us to try on. And I was like, that would be cute with this and this would be cute with that. And I like felt so proud of myself that I was like, did I just know how to put together an outfit that's not a t-shirt and jeans? <laughs> cool. Uh -huh. all that's right, all. I uh, have a couple more questions over here. Hi, I'm Sam. Hi. Hi, Sam. Um, Hi. So um, my question, I guess, is a little bit to what Melora was saying about how everything wraps up a little bit shinier and a little bit better than it would in real life. Obviously, and it's kind of a question for Megan, the wealth gap between Richard and Sutton is huge. And you kind of touched on it at the end of season three with like the cleaning lady and all of that. But was that something where you were like, I, or any of you were in any other situations, like I wanna talk about this more because we're not addressing it enough? Honestly, I want to say yes. Sam and I talk about how rich we really are all the time. And we're like, 
why are we not spending more time in our private car that we would obviously have if this was real? Like, um, no, but to really seriously answer your question, I do, I, I think it is an important conversation and um, especially in a, a relationship like Sutton and Richards because it, it, it sort of is its own character in their relationship. It, and for Sutton, it affects everything. For him, not so much because it's so around for him. And so the value of it, you know, it's different for, for both of those people. And I love that we talked about that. But I also, like, loved that she let him buy the sewing machine for her because, listen, let him buy the sewing machine. You know, don't make it harder than it has to be. Although I do respect her morals and what she was going through. Um, I also think that it's, it's cool to like, you know, accept love from your partner in the form of, you know. Gifts. Yes. I read a book once, it's called The Five Love Languages, and that's one of them. Yes, it is. That, that is, is one of them. That is one of that them. That book didn't help me, not one no. bit, but, <laughs> but it is a great book, it's very well written. We have another, another question from the lady in the end. Hi there, I'm Hello. Elise. Um, so if all of you are wonderful singers, do you karaoke in Montreal and what is your go-to karaoke song? We uh, have. Stand by Eminem. <laughs> um, I'm serious. How about, why don't we just say what we did, because we did good do karaoke and we'll just say what, what those songs were we sang that night. Listen, I don't even yes, remember. Let's do that. That's great. I was. Um, I have no idea what you just asked. Yeah. Katie sang Whitney Houston, Melora sang From the Greatest Showman, Aisha. I sang Never Enough. Sing? Megan and I sang Torn. You Aisha sang, wasn't there. I was, I was anxious. What? <laughs> yes, you were. No, she no, was not. Oh, you she weren't there. there. I was like, guys, I'm not going to make it. I got to sit in the bathtub. <laughs> you know? You get me. Anyone who doesn't, I don't know what to But I feel you. like your song would be like Solange or... Oh, you know I'd rap. I would not oh. sing Solange. Everybody sit down. I'm gonna, Listen, she no. does do a mean Solange. <laughs> Just saying. I would sing like Big Daddy Kane, like some old school rap. Nobody We're here gonna knows have who to Big end Daddy on Kane. a song, I think, aren't we? No, I'm no, 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 no. Thank you, bitch. All What's right, your have... karaoke song, Joanna? We have room for one more question. Who's gonna ask the final question and oh, pressure? Interesting challenge. Oh, see, people get Come scared. Come on, last okay. question. Yeah. It's gotta be good. Hello. Um, so the mushroom musical episode. <laughs> when it happens, yes. what are we singing? Oh, uh, we're singing we not songs singing? that are written. No, 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 no. Originals I want to do. I want to do covers. Originals. I want uh, a whole. I want a whole scene of we're people dancing on the office, on like the office desks. Originals, like a la the cars I want us to in La La Land. Every single song they used in the Grey's Anatomy <laughs> musical episode, <laughs> except bold type style, baby. You can also get the bold type playlists on Spotify. On Spotify, yeah, you can. Yeah. Don't know, I love the playlist. They've yeah, the music is really great. Yeah, Rob Lowry like is amazing. We all. I mean, I, I think why can't we do covers and originals? Yeah. Okay, we could. But we could get. Yeah. We could get Betty Who. Would you like to put it on formal shit? request? Yeah. I would. So, so we could log that. Yes. Um, okay. Rachel we have Blumenbaum the head of free form yes. here. She's taking it all oh, in. I really love the ABBA. She's been writing it down. We oh, the Mamma Mia, that was yeah. so fun. Is that your official request, That's though, the full length? Um, yeah, I think just Mamma Mia. Just do okay. a Mamma Mia episode. Oh, okay. okay. Mamma Mia. Well, yeah. that's right. already been See? done a couple times very successfully. I don't think we'll do that. <laughs> I feel like If we were in high like... school, we could all be in a musical, because they do that on well, a lot we're of not. shows. I'm old. What? All right, well, look, what else do you guys want us to do before we leave? Is there any way we could make your night a better night? Yeah, just start yelling it out. How could we? How could we Let's please get this you going. and make you happy? This has really. What do we do for you? This is really just falling off the rails. Woo! So the Amanda Kell. You can all follow if you follow the Bold Type TV on. Um, Twitter or Instagram, you can send us your suggestions for future episodes. But the most important thing for you to know yeah, is start a playlist in, for the musical episode. If they get pressure on that 20, side, no, you the, guys, the it might most be good. important thing. I hope everyone's listening. We have execs here that are that I'm pressuring them. You see, I'm I, using you to pressure them to do the. No, musical really, episode. the most important thing I know what Joanna's going to say is you need to watch the show <laughs> tomorrow you. night. Yes, and tomorrow you need night. to grab a friend. 
and watch it together. Oh my gosh, that's right. 24 hours and 45 minutes, The Bold Type, season four will start. Your job is to get a bottle of rosé, a friend... And sit yes. and live tweet with us because yes, we will be we'll doing be live that. Tweeting. I will send Megan's us. Megan's going to be tweeting. She's, she loves but it. I, I don't know how to do it, the but room. these ladies help me do it. Um, no, I will be tweeting for all of us. <laughs> yes, she will. It's true. I'll tweet I'll, twice. I'll join you in some live really tweeting. Nice. Okay, seriously, we'll tweet, everybody, actually. live tweet, live Instagram. Yes. But give her a hand of applause for these lunatic women. <laughs> and for you. Thanks for listening. For more information on 92nd Street Y and all of our programs, please visit us at 92y.org. This program is copyright 2020 by 92nd Street Y.